Hello and welcome back to Veritas Supra Veritatis. Today we're going to be going over the next section in Pope Francis's encyclical. Um, but first we're actually going to get started with a prayer. So, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sorry, I've prayed the Hail Mary that goes with the litany of the hour, the liturgy of the hours. Um, that was a prayer for the Pope. Uh, those are the traditional prayers that we pray for the Pope. And so since we are doing... Yeah, since a, we're, we're drilling into his document and making corrections. Um, yeah, I figured it would fig- be. It'd probably be good to, to, pray, to pray for him for at this him. point. <laughs> Just a little bit. Probably couldn't hurt. All right. So we're ready to get started. Um, we're starting on paragraph 18. Uh, um, we're actually starting on paragraph 15. Oh, Let me get 15. pulled up here. All right. So we are doing lacking a plan for everyone. Okay. Um, we ended, we just, the last section that we did was Shattered Dreams. Okay. Um, and we only got to 14. Got we're, it. we're going section by section. So lacking a plan for everyone is the next section that we're on. Okay. Do you want to follow along with us at home? All right. So do you want to read the next, that little bit of... S- yep. So the best it? way to dominate and gain control over people is to spread despair and discouragement, even under the guise of defending certain values. Today in many countries hyperbole, extremism, and polarization have become political tools, employing a strategy of ridicule, suspicion, and relentless criticism in a variety of ways one denies the right of others to exist or to have an opinion. Their share of the truth and their values are rejected, and as a result, the life of society is impoverished and subjected subjected to the hubris of the powerful. Political life no longer has to do with healthy debates about long-term plans to improve people's lives and to advance the common good, but only with slick marketing techniques primarily aimed at discrediting others. In this craven exchange of charges and countercharges, debate degenerates into a permanent state of disagreement and confrontation. There's a lot there. Yeah, there is. Um, so let's, let's go through um, the... Uh, what like the beginning part so the best way to dominate and gain control over people uh it's interesting that this is the way that he starts his his view of politics um considering the fact that he is coming from um, south america and just the politics of south america very much is authoritarian it's very depending on where you are um it is very um it, it tends to be corrupt um in a lot of i think the countries down in that area um I'm I, I'm thinking of stories that I heard, and this isn't actually South America, but like Puerto Rico. Um, I've heard stories about people who go there and try to like work to help people who are down in um, like Puerto Rico, um, El Salvador. Um, I'm trying to think Brazil, uh, different places where they basically like corruption and, and like paying police for bribes is like a normal part of, of everyday life. So it's interesting that he looks at power. Like he looks at politics as, as like a power. The fact that he uses the word dominate and gain control like is, is a very uh, pessimistic view in general of politics. It's not a very American one. Um, so I think that kind of grates on us as Americans. 
Uh, but I do think it's true that we do see that in like socialist kind of countries. And we're seeing it in our politics today just because of the fact that there is a movement to turn the United States into um, a socialist country. Um, and so the, he does kind of look at this as a uh, but the, the fact that he jumps into politics, though, with with this idea of just domination uh, is is kind of disheartening. Uh, but spreading despair and discouragement um is it's an interesting um it, it's it is true it, it you can if you can get people discouraged but we're christians why if discouragement isn't something we're really um that's what we thrive off of i feel like well no i think discouragement isn't really a christian value like why would we be discouraged you know, if we're always seeking god's heaven um and we have a god who loves us I and guess cares for us it could be one of those things be? that we're constantly fighting yeah, I guess you could say we're fighting discouragement, but I, but just I think feel that like, kind of like that's a, it's one of those things where it's just like finding out you're going to die for your faith. Like that's kind of a I don't know that sound to me, that sounds like a, a booster to kind of, you know, make you want to act a certain way more. Um, The discouragement. Yeah, like it, it it's it's like a, it's it's one of those resistance things where it's a challenge and it, it kind of drives you forward to say like you're, you, you could start to get discouraged, but the just the mere thought of being discouraged kind of helps drive you forward into the next thing. Yeah, that makes sense. But then you're not being discouraged. You're not being discouraged. <laughs> it's attempted discouragement. It's I attempted guess. discouragement. Um, but I think it's interesting this line, even under the guise of defending certain values, because if your values are worth defending, then yeah, there should really be. It's either be either your values are them. good or they're not good, right? Yeah, I mean, there's really the, no guise of. Well, I guess. See, it I, is the guys of certain values because there are values right now that are being presented as values that really are not values. Yeah. Um, I take like tolerance. Okay. Hannah and I were talking about this. My little sister and I were talking about this just today. Um, the idea of, of tolerance. Now people are like, oh, the virtue of tolerance. Tolerance is not a virtue. It can't be a virtue because it can't be done. Well, it, it, two reasons. So St. Thomas Aquinas talks about virtue as being the mean meaning it's it always fall it's it's the form of action that falls between two extremes. So the the best example that's kind of the easiest to understand is the virtue of courage. Courage is a mean between um cowardice on one hand and foolhardiness or the like just risking your life for no no reason um uh, on the other. So virtue is the mean meaning it's in the middle of of two extremes of action but the other thing about virtue is that virtue can be practiced to any extent so so even though it's the mean it's the middle ground of two extremes of action you can practice a virtue infinitely because ultimately all virtues are parts of the attribute of god because by definition it's a habitual disposition towards the good and since god is good and god is infinite virtues should be able to be practiced infinitely all right, so let's talk about tolerance. What is the mean that, to or what, how is tolerance the mean? What are the two things that it's the mean between? It isn't, tolerance in and of itself is actually a polarization. You're either tolerant or you're intolerant. The, you're not, the middle ground isn't, isn't, intol isn't tolerance. The other thing about, about um, tolerance is you can't push tolerance to the extreme because of the fact that um, at some point, in order to be fully tolerant, you have to be intolerant of intolerance, in which case you there's a stopping point to to it. So it can't be a virtue, but it's it's touted in today's society as a virtue. Like, oh, I'm such a tolerant person, which I absolutely think is also ridiculous because 
let's face it, how many people really go up and say, hey, somebody just gave me a great compliment. They said they tolerate me. Yeah, that sounds it's horrible. That sounds terrible. <laughs> you you don't say, Oh yeah, I'm loved. But here's the deal. The difference is charity, which is with a Christian virtue, is actually a a movement towards like I, I love you. That's an actual that's something that people actually do want to have happen to them. And as some people say, Oh, I love you and I care for you and I want what's best for you. Um, not I tolerate you. Well, it sounds um, like society is kind of like pro- I'll use the word Protestant protestantizing is that okay. i think it, the, the verb of protestant like they're basically changing actual virtues and morphing them slightly and turning them to things like tolerance okay how is that like how is that protestantizing, protestantizing? i i just think of protestants and i think of like taking something that like the like when you have a protestant branch of that came off of catholicism it's usually it's pretty close to catholicism but they changed it just enough that it's wrong Oh, some of the doc, yeah, yeah. That they they. Take I use it as a verb of morphing something and morphing something, saying it's still good, but it's really not quite what it should be. Yeah, and I do. Um, Would Protestantizing not be the correct term for that? I don't think so. I first of all, I don't actually think it's a word, and B, I don't know. It's that. a word now. <laughs> okay, if you're being philosophical, you can. I think you're allowed to make. I can words. invent words. Um, I think you should make one that flows off the tongue a little better. You can use Protestant as a base word, but. Okay, I'll Um, come back to that one. Okay. Uh, But I do think, though, that you're right. So there are certain values. And the thing is, is that fake values do polarize. And that's, I think, part of what we don't realize is that, like, the whole tolerance, intolerance thing is very polarizing. Christians can be like, I can be friends with anyone, but you get these, like, the people who actually consider tolerance to be a value and they are, you're either with me or you're against me. Yeah, that's, that's not where, tolerance anymore, is it? It isn't. It's funny how many tolerant people are some of the into, most intolerant. Like, people who claim tolerance as their main it's, virtue. It's like, a, it's not, a, it's 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 rules for the and not for me. Everybody else has to be tolerant of me, but I don't have to be tolerant of anything else. Right, or they have to be tolerant of what I want to be tolerant of. And if you do not agree with me, I am intolerant of you. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, it's not a healthy state of so affairs. And it, it is, definitely. I don't know that that's necessarily what, what the Pope is talking about, but it in a way you could interpret his words to actually be something that is true okay um, so but in many countries hyperbole extremism and polarization have become political tools um okay um <laughs> i feel like he's trying to say the u.s without saying the u.s yeah that is the vibe that's I get, what but this I don't whole know paragraph feels Americans. like is it feels like directed at america only he didn't he can't say that explicitly i guess for some reason yeah, I the reason I, I I agree with you. I don't know that you can. I don't know that there's enough evidence, but that's the vibe I get. Like I said, I don't know if it's because we're Americans. The other thing is that the Pope has spoken. Um, Does the Pope he, have the ability to do something like this specifically to a country? Oh, uh, yeah, he can send letters to countries. That's not a problem. And he could send letters to leaders of countries, too, or individuals. It, it, he has that. But it, But could it be one of those things where he's a little too afraid to direct it? I could definitely see that. It's kind of like when you're going to roast somebody, but you kind of roast the entire room generally. But yeah. you're like, everybody knows, oh, it's really, it's like, this man, this really room being... stinks. Did none of you shower? And really, it's just that one guy in the corner who didn't shower, but everybody's like, everybody understands that, oh, he says it generally, but he's really talking about that guy in the corner. Is that yeah. kind of what it feels like? It, it does feel like that. I don't know that that's the case, though. But that is the vibe I get, especially because the next line is employing a strategy of ridicule suspicion and relentless criticism um i don't know of any other world leaders who like for instance give 
you know, nicknames to their um, to their political to their opponents. political opponents. And I do not know of any um, political leaders other than our president who do things like do stand up routines at their rallies every night. I mean, those he ridicules all kinds of people. Uh, but the thing is, is that he's ridiculing is is kind of purposeful. Yeah. In the sense that it reminds you of of the corruption of certain individuals, which is really what he's trying to fight. Well, I feel like the same de- sentence though could be applied at like our media because it's employing a strategy of ridicule. The media constantly feels obligated to ridicule the president. President. Yeah, but and ridicule- their suspicion and relentless criticism. They do nothing but, you know, they're sus- they suspect him of doing this and they're criticizing him for this, and. Um, yeah, they definitely I, I just feel like it, it could be it could be seen both ways but it's one of those things where um it's that it's that whole idea of the something that you don't like about a person is something is, is something that you kind of have a problem with yourself yeah i could see that so this sentence could kind of flip both ways because of that yeah i do think so and i think well i think part of that is that the politics in the united states is such that um generally speaking the the left accuses the right of doing everything the left is doing so in one sense we do get that and then every once in a while they try to throw out um a politician who tries to like out trump trump we saw that in like the first debate between the president and and and, uh, biden where biden tries to be all you know you know i'm gonna be rough and tough and you know tell him to shut up and all yeah like Seriously, you're not Trump. Don't no, don't nobody can out yeah. Trump up. Like in the primaries in 2016, Rubio tried to do that with his hands joke. Like you're not gonna win. So did, nobody out Trumps Trump. You you don't don't even try. So I guess you could. Um, I guess it, because of the fact that our politics is such that one side accuses the other side of doing what they themselves are doing, even though the other side isn't nearly as corrupt as the other side. Um, there is kind of I suppose that way that it could apply either way. Yeah. Uh, the thing, though, is I think ridicule comes from a Latin word, which either means smile or laugh. Um, well, I think you call you say something's ridiculous. Yeah, I That's think usually it's laughable. I, think of... I, I feel like it's laughable, but I, I don't want to commit to that. So it's a laughing strategy? What? It's a laughing strategy? I think ridicule, but the root of it, I'm pretty sure, means is like to ridicule someone is to laugh at them. And so I just feel like even when... They, the the media doesn't really ridicule as much as they just accuse. Well, and it, you have to be funny to be ridiculing. Yeah, and I and they're not funny. The media, yeah. It's just sad, right? And it's point. yeah, they just don't find things that are yeah. I don't. So anyway, that would be my only the choice of the word ridicule. But once again, this is a translation I think from the Spanish. So mm-hmm. maybe. But then again, Spanish words. There's a lot of Spanish words, um, that seem to just move over very easily into English. English. But I don't know. Um, in a variety of ways, one denies the rights of others to exist or to have an opinion. I do have to agree that that happens in our country. I don't know if it happens throughout the other parts of the world, but the idea, not so much the right of others to exist, but to exist with the beliefs that they have or for them to say mm-hmm. what they, you know, have an opinion. Like yeah, you look at the you're immediate, of, yeah, you're in this country, like certain things you're just not allowed to think. Yeah. I mean, like we had just another guy was shot and his mother came out and said it's because he was a trump supporter he was at a rally or not because he was a trump supporter i'm sorry it was said she said because he was backing the police and that's just not a popular opinion among the news media right now and Mm -hmm. so people i mean the guy poor guy got murdered for it yeah um and so yeah i do think i mean obviously there yeah you've got an instance of somebody denied him the right to exist because he they shot him and 
um, because of his opinion. So I do agree with that. Um, their share of the truth and their values are rejected. Um, that's an odd choice of phrase, um, choice of phrase, I think too, because their share of the truth, um, you either it's, I feel like something is either true or not. Like, I mean, what do they mean by share of the truth? Well, is it the sharing between the truth and their values? No, I think it's their share of the truth. Like, like this. Well, what does is that mean? Their of share, the of, isn't it just the truth? There's no like. Well, it sounds like he's part. Like part of it's the, tr- and he's calling it their truth. Yeah, their well, it's their share of the truth. Their share. That that sounds. Well, it harkens back to um of Phil like well so you guys are um I'm sure you know that the Pope has been accused of heresy. I don't know how you exactly go about that. Well, yeah, uh, some theologians, I think, I think they were technically theologians, put penned a letter that basically said we accused the Pope of, of heresy. Um, Hmm. I think seven accounts of it. Oh, wow. Um, I don't remember. I I know I recognized a few of the names that a few of the people that signed it uh, just from I read their books. But um, one of them, I believe, had to do with the idea that pope francis has put forward the idea that um all religions are sort of share in like in the truth of like so there is god and so every different religion is basically um worshiping god in the way they see him and so they have their portion of the truth about god and you know like the muslims do and the you know, the Buddhists and the Protestants and everyone just has their own, because we just have different perspectives of God. We see different parts of God. And, um, that, that's kind of a, a, an idea that has been put forth. It's, it's false. Um, the reality is, is that one of the beauties about God being one is that he is not composed of parts. So like, for instance, um, one of the ways that they like to do it is they like to say, okay, so um, let's put a, you know, let's take a pickup truck for instance. No, I think they use, do they use an, I'm trying to think of the example that I, I, you hear. It's like, um, what's the analogy you're trying to make exactly? Well, I think it has to do, I think they, so take, take something and put it, um, I think an elephant is, is usually the way they do it. So you take an elephant and put it in and put people around it in a circle. Mm-hmm. So everyone is looking at the elephant and if they kind of have tunnel vision, they, each see a different aspect of the elephant and they get a different impression of the elephant, right? So someone who is looking at the, say, side of an elephant thinks, wow, this thing is huge and and flat. It must be a wall. Mm -hmm. And then somebody who's looking at the tail feels it and says, oh, this must be a brush because all they see is the tail. And somebody who is looking at the feet might see, oh, this is a trunk. of looks like a trunk of a tree. And one who's holding the, the actual trunk of the elephant would say, oh, I'm, I'm this is a hose. Right. Mm-hmm. And so everyone is correct in that these are attributes of the one elephant. And so there are people who say, well, religion is like that. So everyone sees God from their own side. And so they they just their religion is based on the view of God that they have. But the problem is, Which God is, an, is you have one. to be able He's to not, zoom out and see the big picture, see everything in its entirety. Right. And so but the thing is, is that a there are religions that are not worshiping God. So to say so, paganism, so there are some people that aren't even looking at the elephant. No, they're not even looking at the elephant because they're worshiping creation. They're worshiping, you know, money. They're worshiping power. There's mm-hmm. they're literally worshiping. Rocks some of them just don't even Thor. believe the elephants there. Yeah, they, there are. Yeah, there are nihilists <laughs> who don't believe in anything. Um 
actually nihilists yeah anyway um there are people who literally don't believe in reality uh so there are different but the thing is is that yeah there in the catholic church has the fullness of truth mm -hmm. in it now are there other religions that have parts of the truth yes in a sense that they took the parts of the catholicism that they liked and, and applied them to their religion yeah but the idea that they actually um are just looking at god from a different but equally valid way is is false so i feel like when you say their share of the truth i can't that's kind of the image that comes to mind is that kind of argument about god okay which it's that's one of those difficult things where I think you know a couple hundred years ago we probably would have just said as Catholics like nope it's all or nothing you gotta like I mean and that, that I think that's a reasonable thing to ask because it's like come on if you've got the right if like this is the right religion the last one you ever need do you really need anything else you should really only need one right yeah that, that well there's only that's... like the answer you can only have one right answer typically. Right. Well, and yes, and that's the that is part of the problem. So this is where we get that weaponized ambiguity that um, it's kind of like that teacher who's just like, well, your answer was close enough, so we'll still give you points. But then the kid who like had it perfect is getting all frustrated because he now has like it 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 disheartens it um oh, it discourages the uh, <laughs> it discourages the the kid who knows what he, who knows the truth, who knows the answer perfectly. Right. Well, and that's part of the problem. So one of the um, objections to another thing that Pope Francis has said is the fact that he makes an argument, and I, I need to look up where exactly he writes this, but he has proposed the idea that um, God, he has said that God wills the diversity of religions, okay, which goes against Catholic Church teaching. The idea that God wills for there to be people who follow him imperfectly in the sense that they don't actually like the there is only one way to heaven. Mm -hmm. And the church has always taught that there's no salvation outside the church. Now, what do we mean by that? Not that you absolutely have to be a Catholic in order to get to heaven, but that it is only through Jesus Christ and it is only through the graces that he entrusted to the treasury of the church that anyone can be saved. Well, and it's one of those things where we, we're just looking out for everybody else. We basically are like, hey, we're, we're, we, we're, we have a very, very strong reason to believe that this way is the right way. And if you're not on this same path as the rest of us, you, we can't guarantee you're going to make it. So just let's, why don't you play it safe? Coming over by us. Right. You, and uh, C.S. Lewis has a, a beautiful thing that he talks about. I think it's at the beginning of The Great Divorce, where he says that um, if you are, are working a math problem, a sum, you're not going, you can't just keep pursuing in your error and saying, oh, I'm going to work really hard on my error and, and expect to get to the right answer. Mm -hmm. You have to go back and figure out where did I go wrong get back on the right track, and then you can proceed to the correct answer. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's kind of the, the he saw he foresaw the, the, the kind of heretical idea going around in today's day and age, which is, you know, if you're a really good Buddhist, you can get to heaven by virtue of being a good Buddhist. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, if a Buddhist happens to be saved, it's only through Jesus Christ and the Catholic Church that that Buddhist is saved. Yeah. Um, in today's day and age, it's hard to believe that, you know, there are very many people in the world who don't have access to the truth. I mean, we have the every church. You can Google anything much. now. <laughs> you can Google anything. Um, and there's lots of resources about the Catholic Church and things like that that you can um, 
you know, that are available to somebody who is actually seeking the truth. But I think that the, um, I think the idea that God wills the diversity of religions is a very, it's, it's really a, a horrible teaching because you're absolutely right. So if, if, if it were true that any religion would get you to heaven equally, then why choose Christianity? Christianity is hard. Why yes. not choose Heck, I would be a pain to worship and myself. By if, saying something like that, you're giving them the option to pick a different one because they're like, oh, it's fine. It's just, it's it's one of those things where it's like, oh, they all they all do the same thing. It's just this one's blue, but this one's red. And I like red better. So I'm going to go with red because exactly. I like that color. Like, it's one of those bad things. Um, I don't want to, we, we, we already spent a decent amount of time on that first paragraph. We have a couple, we have a, quite a few more paragraphs to get through in this, in this section. Yeah. And um, I think that is, but I think that is, but can I just make one quick point? Mm-hmm. And that is that we know that religions are fundam- that there are fundamental differences in the various religions, and it would make sense that the eternal fruits of those religions would be different because we even see physical, like here on earth, we see different fruits of different religions. So you look at a, a, a one of the Catholic saints, usually joy is one of the hallmarks of a Catholic saint, that they are filled with this indescribable joy that persecution cannot take away. You look at some of these other religions and you do not, you know, people who worship, you know, Satanists are usually angry people. They're not filled with joy in the same way. So here on earth, we see different fruits from different religions. So it would make sense that in heaven, those, those same idea, the same fruits would be kind of magnified. Um, And so it would kind of, it's kind of crazy to think that every religion has the same eternal, could have the same eternal result. All right, let's keep going. Um, So as a result, the life of society is impoverished and subjected to the hubris of the powerful. Once again, we get this idea of powerful. This isn't the way America traditionally has looked at politics because we're self-governing. So we recognize that we can be constantly in a state of renewal because government ought to be very close um, to home. So I but I feel like very much this is kind of I feel like we're hearing the influences of his time in South America. This idea of like subject and power, you know, powerful versus non-powerful. Um, it actually almost makes me feel like I'm reading the Communist Manifesto a little bit. Political life no longer has to do with healthy debates about long-term plans to improve people's lives and to advance the common good. Okay, this line I do have a problem with because the church teaches through St. Thomas Aquinas um, at least that the whole purpose of government is justice. Why is it like political life should have to do with justice, not healthy debates about long-term plans to improve people's lives? Personally, I mean, debate is a means to an end. It's not an end in itself. So what I mean, if you don't need a debate in order to pursue justice, don't have it. If you do need it, that's fine. But um, the idea of advancing the common, like I don't, why isn't justice in there? regarding the idea of what government is supposed to be doing. Political life should be dealing with with justice. Um, But only with slick marketing techniques. I really want to know who translated this. Is that really what it says? I wish I knew Spanish better. Is that really what it says in the Spanish? Slick marketing techniques? This is definitely... Yeah, that doesn't sound very It's not a classical document. This is not going to stand the test of time, which is kind of... I mean, most documents you can read, you know couple you know from hundreds of years ago you can read them well and, and it sounds well yeah I, I don't think we're gonna like it reading anything from 2020 at this point <laughs> well i there just because we live in a modern era doesn't mean we can't have good writers but there are like i feel like this is what i i feel like 
it's one of those like cheap romance novels or something that you can get on yeah like you get for an airplane ride like i just feel like this has no um this doesn't have just this stylistically it doesn't have anything that's going to make it through long term yeah um, discrediting others in this craven exchange of charges and counter charges debate degenerates into a permanent state of disagreement and confrontation but here's the problem if it's a battle between good and evil which is sort of what we have here in the united states i mean mm-hmm. we have we have actual because of the fact that we've given up this whole idea of justice as being our goal and we're moving towards socialism we do actually have battles of good and evil raging and so you yes you had better have disagreement and confrontation if you are fighting for the good against an evil that is taking over your country like yeah what are we going to do just passively let the evil take over no you confront it um it's kind of frustrating he acts as though though disagreement and confrontation are bad things um we have been having debates in our country for very many years and it hasn't say, really don't they have debates even within the catholic church over what teaching should be yeah actually that is a very good point because like for instance cardinal burke wanted to have a you know he was one of the bishop or the cardinals who presented a dubia to the holy father saying hey let's have a debate about your views on you know i think what i think the topic is uh, on that one was um cat divorced and remarried catholics receiving holy communion and, mm-hmm. and that it was that controversy the pope hasn't answered him so is the Pope really for debate for long-term I think planning? He's for because... a special definition of the word debate, which oh, is just, there's no debate. Just do what I say. Right. I think the fact that the Pope doesn't seem to give responses to things um, is a, is a problem because he obviously doesn't, doesn't debate. So, um, and I'm sure he's not going to address complaints people have about, you know, like people are going to have questions and things about this document. And I'm sure those are, well, we'll They're see. Gonna, we'll have to we'll see. see. Yeah. We've, we've been praying for the Pope in a special way um, these last few months. And so hopefully he'll come around and, and give us some good guidance. All right. So I think we're ready to move on to the next Yeah. The next paragraph, paragraph here. So, so amid, oh, sorry, go ahead. Amid the fray of conflicting interests where victory consists in eliminating one's opponents, how is it possible to raise our sights to recognize our neighbors or to help those who have fallen along the way? A plan that would set great goals for the development of our entire human family nowadays sounds like madness. We are growing ever more distant from one another, while the slow and demanding march towards an increasingly united and just world is suffering a new and dramatic setback. Wait, what? (laughs) His argument is that we're so concerned about political battles that we're not taking time to help people. Um, I feel like he should put a quote. He should have had a, a good footnote there for like the story of the Good Samaritan. I think the problem that is that in one sense well the, i what i want to know is what he what just world like what united and just world is he talking about um yeah well my other question is what exactly is he talking he's very general in his things. he makes it sound like oh as long as we're all united together that it's just inherently good but i don't think so i mean if the nazis had taken over the whole world yeah they would have united them together do you think that would have been a good thing Probably not. No. And I, I agree completely. The other thing, too, is that actually divisions can cause a clarity in uniting. Like I look at the people like how I look at like the spirit that you see at like a Trump rally or you, there is a there is a camaraderie and a and, a you know, like a friendliness and a brotherhood of men that takes place there that you don't see in other places so it's not like it's all like all division and i feel like it kind of contradicts that whole point you're talking about which we still need to check up on but it's the whole idea that god wills 
diversity of our religions. Yes. So wait, wait. So the whole world has to be united and just, but we also have to be diverse. We have to be diversely united. Right. Is what I'm getting out of this, which contradicts itself inherently. Yes, it does. That is part of the problem. Yeah. Because do you know what would be a great unifying force in the world? The Catholic Church, which is well, it was for a long period God of time with designed. the Crusades. He, I mean, the Pope was able to get a bunch of Germanic tribes together to do the Crusades. There were other reasons for it, but like people are like ready to rally the catholic church is a very rallying idea right and truth is something people can get behind which is why people are i think flock behind trump because yet he says thing he doesn't lie he's not one of these politicians who when he's in one country one place will say one thing and when he's in the other he'll say the exact opposite he says this is what i believe and i think everyone should agree with me because it's best for everyone let you know jump on my bandwagon and let's let's unite and let's you know and um I think you're absolutely right. And I think that, and I actually think it's, so right now, obviously in the United States, they're, they are fighting for the Catholic vote, which in one sense is incredibly sad because there should be no Catholics on the face of the planet who are voting for pro-choice candidates, um, especially people who are so pro-choice that they are upset that, you know, the president, for instance, passed the Born Alive Act. Literally, that was protecting children who are born, who are, you know, and are being killed. That's, yeah, that's sick. It, they're upset that we are outlawing infanticide. Mm-hmm. How on earth is any Catholic voting for that? I mean, the fact that that there is a fight over the Catholic vote, I think, is sickening. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, the fact that both political parties are fighting. I mean, I see so many ads addressed just to the Catholics means that Catholics are coming around to the truth, that they're not just unfortunately a lot for many years the catholic vote was the democrat vote our only catholic president was a democrat Mm -hmm. Uh, granted it was in the era before abortion um and there's varying views of whether um what values were important to jfk but i think that there's um i think that that actually does is it's it's encouraging to see that at least the catholic vote isn't set on being democrat maybe some of the catholics are rallying behind kind of the truth of these things Mm -hmm. but um uh, but yeah i think that there is the i think you're absolutely right the idea it's like if the catholic bishops of the of the united states at least we could unite the united states very quickly if we had the support of the catholic bishops Mm -hmm. if the pope said you know what we are going to not create because the thing with the church is the church is not pro-globalism it's it is pro-nationality like every country that shouldn't really be its goal its goal should just be getting everybody to heaven right right and so you can do that in each country each country can have its own sovereignty it can have its own traditions but we're all united ultimately in our catholic faith and in the fact that the end of each of these countries is ultimately the salvation of the souls of its people and so but we can unite in the church and so yeah, diversity in and of itself isn't isn't good. What is good is the is unity. That's really ultimately what we want. Yeah. But diversity can be useful in promoting um, certain types of diversity can be useful in in uniting. But yeah, the diversity of religions. If he's if he's promoting the diversity of religions, he can't also be claiming well the country everybody is so distant. Well, yeah, if we all worship different gods, you can't expect us to be united on other you know. If we all have different truths and different values and different gods, we're not going to find real things to be in agreement on Mm -hmm. because they say, oh, we all live on the same land. 
that is actually one of the worst things to be like, oh, we're going to be unified on. Yeah. Because land is a commodity that diminishes when one. So if I have more land, you have less land. Yes. Whereas with truth, we can both have tons of truth, mm-hmm. you know, and the land can be kind of the secondary thing that we do split. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're absolutely right. That was a great point. All right. Um, I think we can move on to the next section. Yeah. That kind of covers covers basically everything he was saying. Yeah. Well, and I do think that I wish he would give examples. We are growing ever more distant from each other. That's a platitude. Give us specific examples because I I don't think, I think there are groups of people who are moving far away from others, but like in in a philosophical sense, like ideologically, but that doesn't mean everyone is growing apart. It just sounds like, it sounds like a slogan. It or does. It sounds like, uh, oh, where does he say it? Um, it sounds like, what is it? Slimy marketing or slick <laughs> yes. marketing? That's what it sounds like. It just slick sounds like marketing a marketing techniques. phrase. You're right. It sounds, it's, and the other thing is it sounds very despairing and discouraging. Yeah. Um, so it's like he said, here's the technique I'm going to use on brainwashing you people. Just so you know ahead of time. Let's see who notices. See who pays attention. Yeah. All right. So to care for the world in which we live means to care for ourselves. Yet we need to think of ourselves more and more as a single family dwelling in a common home. Such care does not interest those economic powers that demand quick profits. Often the voices raised in defense of the environment are silenced or ridiculed using apparently reasonable arguments that are merely a screen for special interests. In this shallow, short-sighted culture that we have created, bear up bereft of a shared vision it is foreseeable that once certain resources have been depleted the scene will be set for new wars albeit under the guise of noble claims okay so basically he's quote he's referencing something there yeah he's referencing himself is he referencing okay yeah. let's pull that up it's an cyclical oh he's doing laudato see again yeah gotcha. um so um the so yeah so it I, feels like he's just shaming everybody for you know driving a car right so voices raised in defense of the environment are silenced or ridiculed so this is where i don't I think feel that's like true we find that out. is definitely not true though it isn't and the other thing too is i feel like this is where we find out what he meant when who he was talking about when he was talking about employing a strategy of ridicule suspicion because he's basic and you know that they're that they're silenced they're not allowed to have an opinion it's the one whose ro- voices are raised in defense of the environment uh, by apparently reasonable arguments is it not possible that these are actually, actually reasonable, reasonable arguments? arguments? Not apparently. How do you apparently have a reasonable? Like, well, they, would an, well this is where I get, wish you would give an example of an, a reasonable, apparent, an apparently reasonable argument. Or let's have a debate as to, you know, Holy Father, give us the debate of about whether these are reasonable, reasonable arguments or not. Arguments or not. Like, I just, this is where he's he's creating he's creating premise false premises on which i feel like he's going to base his further arguments um and i think these are when he's kind of using legal legal terms again to so Where, that if somebody goes back and says that's not true he's like well i didn't say it was true i just said apparent like he's like yeah. technically it's still fine it's that but, it, it's but to ambiguity. the untrained ear it would just sound like something well we know what he's trying to say he's just not he's not, he's not taking a firm stand it. he's he's giving himself kind of a backdoor uh the other thing too is the fact that i feel like this is also and as we move into the part on the throwaway world there is it used to be that wealth was something that was like you had to take from others in order to get wealthy because mm-hmm. the things that created wealth were were land, were food, gold. Um, you know, there were there were only tangible things that could be used to create wealth. I mean, to well, there was only a certain amount of wealth, and you either had the gold or you didn't. 
we have wealth creation in the world at a, amazing rates because of the of the fact that we have so much technology. And I feel like people haven't, a lot of people are still under the impression that, oh, if one person is wealthy, that means somebody else has to be poor, mm-hmm. which is not the case. And that the principle here is very, you know, when we're allowed to be capitalist in the United States, this principle actually shows itself out. You look at all of like, for instance, the internet places that these are companies that have started making tons of money because they create a need and then fill it. And so the fact that there are only so many needs in the human world, no, like we actually create wealth in the United States. We don't just rob Because it. We, we keep building new needs. We have new needs. We fix one problem, which creates two new ones, basically. Right. And I think that's part of the, well, yeah, that is kind of part of it. But we, we don't even create problems with our needs. We simply say, you know, like these, like look at, I'm, I'm thinking of like some of these internet companies like the Daily Wire or something like that, where they basically said people are looking for this type of um, content. content. Let's create that type of content. They're having that content does not steal from anyone because it's based on knowledge, which is a common good. Mm-hmm. Because it, my knowledge of something doesn't mean somebody else has less of it. We have wealth creation in the United States and people act as though, oh, the United States, they're colonists, they rob the world. No, we don't rob the world to create our wealth. We actually generate new wealth and new sources of wealth because of our technology. And so the the premise that in order for one person to be wealthy, they have to be destroying somebody else is not is not in, is it's not, not a, true. It's not a yeah, valid statement. The other more. thing that is not true is that capitalism is at odds with environmentalism point being that i mean granted okay so china's a little well, bit of a complicated uh, country because of the fact that it it's socialist in one it's communist obviously in one sense but they have some capitalist principles to keep their market going but um they pollute far more than the united states does and the united states actually some of our regulations actually have caused more like the regulations harm. have actually caused more environmental harm because the way you have to do things, you can't like innovate and say, hey, I can produce a product that will like they have like CO2 recycling things that companies for the longest time weren't allowed to use. It's like we've got something that will actually reduce our CO2s and make us a better company. And they're like, no, you can't, you know, because it's mm-hmm. a big bureaucracy. It well, and it's this whole false in- idea that the second someone has the opportunity to either cut corners or do something evil, they're going to do it yeah. instinctively. Like, it's this whole idea that men are instinctively evil. Yeah, it's true. We're fallen, but we're not just like waiting every second of the day to do something bad. We're not, I'm not just sitting at my desk waiting for the next puppy to come along so I can kick it as fast as I can. It's just right. not, that's, that's not true to our nature it might be the case for some people but it's not it's not a way to describe all of humanity well and here's the deal if the church was doing its job and converting people and having them grow the people who love god treat their employees well Mm -hmm. they treat other people well they don't defraud they treat the whole world well they treat the whole world well why on earth if the if the the best way to accomplish the goals like here's the deal do i want world peace absolutely and I'm not even running for Miss America um, or Miss Congeniality, whatever that movie is. Um, I, I I do want world peace. I do want everyone in the world to be, have the freedoms that I have and to have the ability to create a life. But the problem is, is that 
saying that, oh, the people who have are all bad inherent because of the fact that they are have stuff and that we should steal from them and give to the poor people, that's not going to create a better world. What would create a better world is for the Pope to work on uniting the people on the actual thing that we do have in common, which is the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ, by whom we can all be saved. And I think that's, I think that's part of the problem. And I do feel like this is very divisive as far, I mean, you're not even allowing the fact that it's like, uh, albeit under the guise of noble claims, there are wars that are fought on noble claims. And I don't think that um, the fact that the Pope keeps acting like reasonable art, you know, he's like, we need to have debate, but any reasonable argument, oh, that that's all just a mirage. It's just, it, yeah, it, it appears to that. Um, I think we, we got through this section pretty good. Um, our next, our next topic is going to be a throwaway world. So we'll start addressing that section. There's a couple of good paragraphs in there before we get on to insufficiently universal human rights. That topic sounds juicy. <laughs> um, but I think for right now, we're hitting the end of our hour. So um, I think we'll say goodbye to everybody. And then um, we'll see you guys in the next episode there. All right. Thanks for listening.